welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for this special series, Women's Conference 2023 on Fellowship. This is Stillwater Bible Church's Women's Conference that they held in 2023, and they had several breakout sessions as well as a special guest speaker. We hope that you enjoy these lessons. Thanks again for joining us. I thought I would have all next week to practice, you know, give a polished talk. And um, so this morning, I um, decided there was one little section I needed to type out. And so I worked on that. I also decorate cakes on Friday for a cousin of mine who has a um, bakery in Hutchinson and, and uh I was running late, so I didn't even fully dry my hair. It was wet back here, but I thought, I'll just dry it here real quick, grabbed on some clothes, ran down there. And so, ladies, I was going to have, you know, my hair a little puffed up a little more. And (laughs) Oh, dearie. So, but anyways, I thought, for some reason, God allowed this to happen. It was humbling, but then I thought, you know, i got to really depend on the Holy Spirit, and that's a good thing. And um, I'd like to start out in prayer here. Dear Heavenly Father, you let things happen that we don't always plan for. We make plans, and then you change them, but you always have good things that come out of that. And I pray that that we um, would just really depend on you, Holy Spirit, for me sharing and then for each of these ladies. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to them how their hearts need spoken to. And we ask for your presence to have here in this room that you would have freedom. Also, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. I didn't grow up covering my head, but my husband decided to choose a difficult passage um, when he was in seminary and write a paper on it. He chose a head covering thing, and I typed his paper. I couldn't get around his argument, so. (laughs) Anyways, just, you know, we'll just get that over with, so. But in 1984, after we had done a a short stint as a youth uh, youth pastor, my husband and our three kids moved to Whitewater, Kansas for our first pastorate. Our youngest was just three months old. And even though I had not suffered with postpartum depression with those two older ones, I did with my third child. It just kept getting worse, and we had a new job, making new friends, a whole new uh, location. And I remember I'd be uh, driving down the highway, and I thought it would be so easy just to turn my steering wheel right into the coming 
semi. And my family wouldn't miss me. They would do fine without me. But God spared me from making that foolish decision. But I do remember those dark days. And tonight, there is someone here because her parents were so special to me. And that's Nicole Schmidt-Stoffer. And she was sitting right by me there. She was just a young girl and and had attended our church there in Whitewater. Her parents, Bob and Joyce Schmidt, started a small group Bible study called the 2-7 series that was named after Colossians 2-7. And I decided that I would join it. It turned out to be a lifesaver for me. We learned together, we prayed together, we memorized scripture together, we encouraged one another, and to this day, I'm ever grateful to Bob and Joyce for hosting this gathering in their home. And that period in my spiritual history remains precious to me to this very day. And I am so grateful they enveloped me into their group. God has given us several spiritual resources to enable us to grow and to experience deeper fellowship with him. One of those provisions is the fellowship of other believers, which is called the local church, and that's what we are here tonight. At least the local church should be that for us. A place for support, encouragement, renewed hope, and where love is experienced. But how can we connect with other Christians on that deeper level and where our uh, spiritual needs can be met? It is my belief that God has given us guidelines in order to have this type of fellowship something deeper than the casual get-togethers uh, that, we meet, that we might have, but an authentic and rich interaction and relationships that God intends for us to have with others. And during this retreat, I would like to have us focus on a certain, uh, a certain scripture, 1 Peter 4, 7 to 10, because I feel that that has four components in it that will produce that kind of fellowship that God wants us to have. So in our different sessions, we are going to examine those four, and one is prayer, another fervent love, another hospitality, and the use of our spiritual gifts. Let's, let's look at 1 Peter 4, 7 to 10. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. 
For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so I trust that as we learn more about these different four elements, that it will help us to know how to have more fellowship, deeper relationships with each other. When we have fellowship with each other, it's partnering with each other. We live life together. And in Acts 2.42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. This is the the, uh, brand new church. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So the early church did that. They ate together, they shared together, they prayed together, they shared their possessions with each other, they loved each other, and just gave of themselves to one another. One another. Now, they did it on a, a, a daily basis. Before we dive into 1 Peter 4, though, where we talk about different components, I want to share our story of how God used his people and the fellowship that we had with them to walk us through a very difficult part of the journey that God had for us. And I hope that this story will encourage you all the more to nurture your relationships with one another as we are called in this journey here of life to walk side by side until he returns to take us home. And God's people were so used by him to provide what we needed during our worst nightmare, and that is the illness and the homegoing of our oldest daughter, Christy. In April of 2015, news came that would change us forever. Our daughter was diagnosed with breast cancer, and it was not at the beginning stage. At age 36, she discovered a lump under her arm, and it kept growing. And it was growing rapidly. And after an examination, she was at first diagnosed with stage 2 cancer. We were living in Virginia. We got the first plane that we could, and we we flew out to um, Omaha, Nebraska, where they were living. But after more testing, they found that it wasn't stage 2, it was stage 3 instead. And I'll never forget the sound of Christie's wailing when she got home after finding out it was stage three. And my heart was crushed. And that started our many, many trips to Omaha over the next six years. And it continues to this present day. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we moved to Kansas, so we could drive to Omaha to be with 
her family there, her kids, three kids and her husband. After a double mastectomy, radiation, and months of intensive chemotherapy, her scan showed that there were no visible tumors. Over the next two years, her regular checkups kept showing that there was nothing there, so that was encouraging. Each time, though, the three-month checkup was due, we became very nervous, wondering what would happen. Yet during this, these months, Christy knew all along that something wasn't right. In 2018, her routine exam was encouraging, yet in the month of June, she was experiencing back pain and fatigue. Her chiropractor took an x-ray and couldn't find anything there, but it was enough of a concern to her that she went to her physician and scans were ordered, and the devastating news came on June 28, 2018. She had stage 4 cancer. It was all over her body. There were over 100 tumors in her lungs. Additional tumors were on her liver, on her sternum, and her spine. The cancer had come back aggressively. And it was at this time that God asked something very hard of me. I was reading Psalm 63, and when I got to verse 3, it says, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise thee. And I knew immediately what God was asking of me. Is his loving kindness better than Christie's life? But I could not answer that question. That began the long process before I could honestly say that it was. It was better to have God's loving kindness than to preserve Christie's life here on earth. I agonized over this so many times because I desperately wanted God to heal Christie in this life. However, I eventually came to the point of saying yes to his question. His loving kindness truly is better on earth here. I need, I need God's loving kindness now. But I would see Christy again. Her life on earth was not eternal, but God's loving kindness is. Christy and Jason decided to try every unconventional way uh, possible because she wanted her kids to know that she had tried everything. We spent a lot of time with her three children as she tried various treatments, many of them away from home. It was during those last three years that the body of Christ came alongside us, helping us walk through this journey. God raised up an army of prayer warriors, and we didn't even go around asking all these people, but believe me, it was an army of prayer warriors. Almost every Sunday when we were back home in Virginia, a different person would come up to us and say, I'm praying for you every day. 
And there, were, there was a group of prayer warriors in Omaha also. While I was in Omaha, a friend sent me a card every week just to encourage me. People gave money to cover our travel expenses, and the elders at the church kept Don on staff with full salary, even though we were gone so much those three years. And another friend who had lost a son to cancer believed with me that God would heal Christy. And to have someone like that walk with me meant so much because here she had lost her own son. We would never have made it without God's people surrounding us, praying for us and encouraging us. But I had to learn to let other people's other people minister to me because I tend to be more of a self-sufficient person. It was easy for me to withdraw into myself, but I needed the body of Christ. And I came to realize how much I needed the body of Christ. And we miss out on so much if we don't let the body of Christ minister to us. But that means we have to open up to them also. And Don and I had to learn how to grieve together. There's actually a high divorce rate of uh, couples who lose a child because we grieve differently. But in that I tend to withdraw to myself, I had to learn to open up to Don and go to him when I needed help, when I was hurting. Um, I had to learn to depend on him when I was low. And thankfully, too, our ups and downs were at different times. God eventually took Christy home on April 23, 2021. We were in the room with her and her kids and her husband. The rest of Jason's siblings and the rest of our kids were in the, the, in, in the living room. And after she passed, her body looked so peaceful. It was so hard to believe that her spirit was gone. And I always thought that they would get cold right away. Uh, I had a son who was in his family who was still coming, and, and so she lay there for two hours, and I'd go and I'd hold her hand, and it was warm. And um, I had to keep telling myself that she wasn't there anymore. And, you know, I always wondered what it was like to be on the front row at a graveside um, funeral. And uh, my husband, being being a pastor, he, he has done many funerals. But this time I found out what it was like for me to be on the front row. And it was only by God's grace that we got through the family service at the cemetery and the celebration of life service the next day. 
my mom and dad were there. They're in their 90s. And we were there. That's pretty backwards, isn't it? Should be my parents first and then us and then our kids. A worship service was held before the day of the celebration of life and so many people came to that because Christy and Jason were known all over Omaha. Jason is the, um, the director for Youth for Christ in the greater Omaha area. So, so, so many are acquainted with them and uh, Christy is the one who's been the speaker And many, many were impacted by Christie's Facebook postings throughout her journey. And then so many people came to the celebration of life the next day, some traveling all the way from Wisconsin. Two of our pastors came from our church in Winchester. And that was so meaningful. Their presence there meant a lot to us. And then many more watched it online our church in Virginia had a, a, a service there, just like as if we would all have been there, only they had it up on the screen. And uh, Don's administrative assistant even bought two big, beautiful geraniums to have up on front for that service. But then God asked me another hard question. Was I willing to give up my daughter so that other people could come to accept Christ or to rededicate their lives to him? I couldn't answer that one right away either because I wanted my daughter. Her three kids and her husband wanted her. It took time, but eventually I had to say yes to God also with that one. I knew in my heart that it was worth it, you know, but my emotions didn't want to go along with that at first. That was a hard question. Later I experienced such a deep disappointment because I truly believed that God was going to heal Christy. There were several things that happened that seemed to point that way. One day I was in so much agony that I called my friend Mary, who had lost her husband years earlier. I told her that I felt foolish for believing that God would heal her. And I also felt like I couldn't trust him anymore that he would answer prayer. Her answer to me were words straight from God. She told me that God had asked me to believe that he would heal Christy. He asked me to have faith and that I obeyed. It was not about the answer. It was about obeying him and that he was pleased with me because I had obeyed him. That so soothed my heart and mind. Later, when talking with Jason, he shared with us that believing in her healing had helped them carry on. They needed that hope to be able to move forward 
And because Christy experienced so much pain, and she needed that hope to help make it through. It's been almost two years now that Christy's been gone, and I have cried many, many times. The pain never gets smaller, just that my life around it gets a little bigger. The other day I was watching a video of her acting out popular songs, and something really hit me. That's exactly how she's going to be in her new body. She'll have that same fun personality. We saw in her suffering a willingness to do whatever God asked of her. That's a question that I keep asking myself. She wrote us a letter before she went to heaven and said that all we had gone through was going to be worth it in the end. I've seen our lives change. Our family has changed. And God did answer many prayers along the way. And he used Christie's testimony to impact people around the world. And he showed us how important it is to stay closely connected to other believers. We need each other. Now Donna and I want to pay it forward. This journey has given us a better sensitivity to those who are hurting. And we want to be there for others. And we want to stay in fellowship with God. And we want to be in fellowship with other believers. We need to have all four of those components that I'm going to be talking about as mentioned in 1 Peter. I would like to read something that Christy posted on Facebook. And I hope it challenges you as it has me. And it's entitled, Because He Asked Me To. This is what she wrote. I am not a phone person. Anyone who has any type of relationship with me can confirm that. Jason pays the biggest price for that, followed by close family, friends, doctor's offices, the pharmacy. You get the idea. What frustrates me the most is forever missing that once-in-a-blue-moon phone call from the school. Hey, your kid, needs, your kid needs to go to the ER with a split lip. Or, your kid just threw up, can you come get him? Two phone calls, however, I did answer, and both instantaneously changed the course of my life. One I answered five years ago while driving a car home from school in the rain with my four-year-old in the back seat. The other I answered almost two years ago sitting next to Jason on our deck. Both told me of cancer, the first life-threatening, the second terminal. The first verses I read after the phone call five years ago were in Psalm 95. The last words I read on the page before the tears completely clouded my vision were, Today, if you hear his voice. These words have a simple meaning. If I hear God's voice, then I know what he wants me to do. And then obey. God does not play games with us. When he points us in a certain direction or gives a certain assignment, 
We who have the Holy Spirit in us know. We just know. It's supported or clearly communicated through Scripture. It could come through another trusted believer or circumstances. But when it is his voice, we listen and we obey. Today, if you hear my voice, meant this to me from God. Christy, you are entering onto a road that I am allowing, but also leading you through. You don't know how long it is or why you are on it. You don't know the many assignments along the way that I will give to you. But I am asking you to do it, to simply obey and walk this new road. This road, of course, was named Cancer. If I am honest, I have not spent every moment of the last five years with an attitude that would impress anyone. Depending on what month or year it is, you'd find me walking, running, skipping, crawling, limping, dragging, or just laying there in a fetal position. You'd hear laughing, crying, worshiping, silence, screaming, pleading, whimpering, complaining, or confessing. Now today, and five years into this, I look back in something of a blur, a haze. I am so tired. I can't always see straight. The finish line has yet to be revealed. Jesus has called home so many others that were on a similar road. Each day I am tempted to not get up, to not move. Granted, there are many days that I physically cannot get out of bed, but I mean to move forward on this road. Why should I? Because I am so strong or such a fighter? No. Because I have the determination to beat cancer? No. Because it will make me more spiritual? No. Because people will be impressed? No. Because God's kindness can be measured by how I feel or my circumstances? No. Because I understand the big picture and everything makes perfect sense to me? No. Because I know the pain will end soon? No. Because I am one of those special people who knows every, every verse by heart and has a constant joy in all things? No. I do it because he asked me to. The six surgeries, the 67 chemo infusions, the hair loss, the radiation, the endless pills, now endless more months of chemo and more side effects, the mouth sores, the hormone shots, the insomnia, more radiation, loss of feeling in my foot, headaches, stomach issues, aching bones, the constant flu-like feelings, throwing up, hundreds of shots with various side effects of their own, burns on my skin, swollen feet, stomach and face, extreme weight loss and gain, nails turning brown, nosebleeds, loss of taste. I do it because... He asked me to. The wheelchairs, the cane, the months I've had to be separated from my kids, the spiritual warfare, the dark pit of depression, the unknowns, 
the questions and doubts, the loneliness, the loss of my full mom role, the loss of my full wife role, missing school, sport, dance, and church activities, not tucking the kids in at night because the stairs are too daunting, the nightmares, the inability to pace myself, the pressure to stay alive, the loss of feeling God's love, the threatening temptations to question his love and his compassion, watching my kids and husband ache, watching my kids get left behind time after time while I get treated, using every dollar to pay for for treatments, the guilt of all the pain I have caused people, the guilt of how much it is costing our family to fight this disease, the hundreds of days in bed, anguished with both physical and emotional pain, I'll do it because he asked me to. Why? The answer is simple and easy and true. When I cross my finish line, I get to see my Savior, my Jesus, my shepherd. I get to see his kind face, his kind eyes, his smile. I get to see the Son of God who died in my place so that I could have eternal life. I get to feel the release of all pain knowing that all along he and he alone can truly understand the depths he took for me in both suffering and in joy. And then it will matter what I did because because he asked me to. It will be all I care about and easily worth it. Not because it got to me got me to heaven, not because in any way did I have to earn the love of my king, but because it is not this life I am living for. It is the one to come, the kingdom that is more real than the world we live in now, a place where I have the opportunity to reign with Christ, to be rewarded because I did what he asked me to do. The suffering I have endured during my lifetime is very small compared to so many others around the world. And if I could write down the thousands of ways God has shown his kindness to me through my family, friends, churches, Youth for Christ, our community, and hundreds of others, offering thousands of prayers and a completely undeserved amount of generosity, it would take you days to read it. It's true, I am very tired. This road has not always been easy for me, and I know this battle is not over. So tomorrow when I get up and trust him with another day, I'll do it because he asked me to. So do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are not seen are eternal. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so, so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice. Well, that's all for True to the Bible podcast this time. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you did, or if you want to listen to some other lessons on True to the Bible podcast, make sure that you subscribe or like this podcast. If you have any questions about anything that you heard or you're interested in how you can be saved, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Again, thanks for joining us for this lesson, and we hope to hear from you soon.